the world is is very quantum, right? It's all around us, even though we don't touch it in a sense. The whole world is quantum. Talking to Celia Mersbacher, you get the sense that she sees possibilities for quantum computing everywhere she looks. Celia is the executive director at QEDC, the Quantum Economic Development Consortium. And she believes that while today's computers are capable of extraordinary things, quantum computing will bring about a sea change. From intricate models of complex chemical reactions to solving problems that contemporary computers simply can't, Celia says quantum computers will show us the world in a new light. I mean, somehow we've managed to abstract this dynamic, very graded world that we live in into ones and zeros. Classical computing, the kind that powers the device you're using right now, relies on bits. Everything is broken down into either a one or a zero. But quantum computers use qubits, which operate according to an entirely different set of rules. Instead of only two options, qubits can represent a whole range. It's almost like the difference between black and white and color. The quantum state is representing a combination of one and zero. And so quantum is a more natural way to talk about the natural world. And quantum computers don't just have the potential to give us more realistic, multifaceted models. Celia says they'll be able to solve certain problems that classical computers will never be able to. And that capability opens up a world of possibilities. The idea of a quantum computer came from the study of quantum physics, a field that was largely theoretical until the late 20th century. For a long time, computers that operated according to quantum principles were purely theoretical too. The first functioning quantum computer was built in 1998, and ever since, scientists have been pursuing improvements to the technology that'll allow it to go mainstream. I would say the state of quantum computing is emerging. We've got a lot of investment in the basic research taking place and very exciting advances being made at the fundamental level. At the same time that you have some very big companies and startups making pretty big bets on the field, I think there are really three disciplines that have to come together physics, engineering, and computer science. But even as this research continues, Celia and her colleagues are looking ahead, identifying where and how quantum computers are about to change the world. The quantum future is nearly upon us. Scientists around the world are racing to get there, and business leaders are right there with them, preparing for a new age of computing. I'm Elise Hugh. And I'm Josh Klein. And this is Built for Change, a podcast from Accenture. Josh, even in our own lifetimes, there have been so many major advances in computing. Originally, they took up entire rooms, right? They were just machines that then moved on to the personal computer, which was huge when I was a child. And now phones, right? Like, <laughs> I love it when my dad talks about punch cards because I always have to re oh my you know, remind him that, you know, look, my phone is 900,000 times faster than the world's leading computer used to guide the Apollo 11. And that took men to the moon, you know, so it's pretty. Yeah. 
<laughs> Astonishing. Not, not bad, not bad. So now we're in the age of quantum computing, which is a huge leap forward. But to understand how quantum computing is going to affect your business, we need to at least understand a bit about how quantum computers work. Right, because it's not simply a better version of what we already have. Mm-hmm. What's going to make quantum computing so much better at solving problems and running simulations? Well, for the answer, we talked to Accenture's Carl Ducats. There's been experiments that have shown what we call quantum supremacy. That's Carl, the next-gen compute lead at Accenture. Where a quantum computer can do things that are more efficient than a classical device. However, we haven't reached the point of quantum advantage, where a quantum computer can do something more efficient than a classical device for practical business application or value. We're still only at the dawn of the quantum computing age, but we already know why quantum computing is going to be such a game changer, and that has to do with the power of qubits. And these are bits that can hold more information than a regular bit. A regular bit would be one or zero, it would be on or off, where a qubit could have a direction or a vector, and that is uh, inherent to its spin as a, as a particle, a subatomic particle. Qubits have the properties of quantum particles, the tiniest building blocks of atoms. This means they hold much more information than a traditional bit, which only gives you either a one or a zero. Because it can hold more information and um, the way qubits interact with one another is different than just bits, it can do different types of computation that uh, otherwise regular computers don't do naturally. On such a small scale, the usual rules of physics don't apply. These tiny particles have special characteristics only found at the subatomic level, and that's what sets quantum computing apart. Because they're using these subatomic particles that have different attributes like entanglement and superposition and tunneling, they can process certain aspects of those types of problems more efficiently than what a classical computer can. Let's break that down in a little more detail, beginning with superposition. When you go to read the qubit, you will get an answer. It will either be one or zero. You'll get a, a binary output. But when it's in superposition, it can be in a state between one or zero. Qubits are also capable of something called tunneling. Now, you might need a PhD in quantum physics to fully understand how tunneling works, but you don't need one to grasp why it's useful. Yeah, exactly like you're thinking. If you're driving over a landscape and you see a hill in front of you, uh, a classical computer would have to walk all the way up the hill and then down the other side, whereas a quantum computer, given a scenario, a certain scenario, can actually bypass that extra computation and, and tunnel through to the lower energy state um, that it needs to be in. Another important property of qubits is entanglement. And it might sound like the kind of thing that would slow computing down, but Actually, it speeds it up. Two of these qubits can be associated with one another and then separated. And if you modify one of them, then the other one is also changed. So if you spin one in a certain direction, the other one will also spin. And this allows, this is you know, important as well for, for computation, where you're manipulating one aspect of a system and many other aspects of the systems can change 
without having to manually go change them individually. All told, the same properties that make quantum particles unique and a little difficult to wrap your head around hold the potential for quantum computing to improve upon classical computing by leaps and bounds. Imagine a computer that can bypass certain roadblocks that most others can't, or solve thousands of equations in the time that it might take an average personal computer to solve just one. What would you use it for? The industries that are most focused on it right now are uh, generally financial services, uh, life sciences, and pharmaceuticals, chemistry companies, automotive companies, and, and the utilities and energy sector involved in energy transition. Automotive companies are looking at ways to make car batteries cleaner and more efficient using quantum technology. Pharmaceuticals are developing quantum-enabled applications that could dramatically reduce the amount of time it takes to formulate new drugs. Optimizing financial portfolios is another enticing application for quantum computing because optimization is an area where quantum computers are expected to really stand out. We look at how they can perform optimization problems, machine learning problems, and simulation problems. Simply put, quantum computers can solve problems a lot faster than classical computers. And that means that problems which might seem daunting or frankly just impossible might be perfect use cases for a quantum computer. Optimization problems are prevalent everywhere across all industries. Most businesses, you know, their objective is to perform something more optimally or better than their competitors. What we find is that our classical computers are limited in the amount of variables that they can take in to solve optimization problems. Modern enterprises are highly complex. To manage them, you need to get multiple intricate and interdependent systems working together. Carl uses the example of an airline, which is dealing with a million different variables. A change in any one variable could affect the entire operation. You know, they have many different areas to optimize, not just the flight locations and routes and fuel consumption and how many people go on a plane and what should be the pricing for the seating arrangements, how do you get the crew and staff there. All of those things come together to create a massive optimization problem. But you can also find that in, say, if you're a utility and you need to go perform maintenance, you still want to minimize the routes or, you, you know, you want to have your installation people get to the most houses that they can in a given day. But optimization doesn't just help big companies run smoothly. There's applications in all sorts of fields. We've looked at uh, using machine learning processes to analyze chest x-rays in order to detect common types of disease within chest x-rays. We've also done kidney exchange network optimization in order to help identify if quantum computing algorithms could help uh, get more people who are donor-patient pairs paired to get uh, more folks' kidneys. Because it can solve problems so quickly, quantum computing also has major implications for machine learning. And that's because machine learning requires a process known as sampling, or training the machine by feeding it a random selection of the desired information. A quantum computer can sample from a random distribution or a distribution more efficiently than what we can do with a classical computer. And that would mean we can train the model faster and more efficiently and then get better machine learning outcomes. Quantum computers can also sort data faster, further speeding up the machine learning process. And then there's simulation. Simulation is this idea that we can use a, a quantum system to 
represent something in the real world. We can't program all aspects of the real world on a classical computer with ones and zeros. Researchers are now turning to quantum computing to model things that simply can't be modeled accurately with ones and zeros. For example, think about the sheer complexity of a chemical reaction. So many changes are happening at the subatomic level, it can simply be impossible to generate a perfect model. But if we have a one-for-one computer that can say a qubit equals an electron, then we can model some form of the real world on this computer and have it run through many, many different scenarios without actually having to physically create those scenarios. And this gives us an efficiency for testing different types of materials or chemical reactions on a system that acts exactly as those materials do in the real world. We're talking about building accurate models of the smallest, most elementary building blocks of our world. Carl says quantum computing could show us what happens inside of atoms themselves. We can find the energy states. We can find that when you stretch the, the bonds where they break, you can understand how the electrons are working. But for now, at least, quantum computers still face some limitations. So the, the limitation right now is the size of the quantum computers. We simply don't have one with enough qubits yet uh, in order to do larger and larger molecules. But even as we wait for the hardware to catch up to quantum computing's potential, it's already clear why this technology is going to be a game changer for any number of industries. All of the indicators say quantum computers are going to continue to grow in capacity and capabilities. Think about that in terms of your individual businesses and how many algorithms you use and all the different functions that they have in order to make sure that you are competitive, that you're executing what you need to do, that your people are talking and communicating with one another and that you're operating at at global scale. Everything that you do today needs to be considered for this future where we have these more powerful computers that can change, you know, everything. And that's why Carl and his colleagues are already experimenting with use cases for quantum computing. Accenture has been doing these business experiments with quantum computing for a long time, and we like to think we're very good at it. We have a lot of uh, examples and thought leadership in the space now. Now is the time to build a list of use cases and start experimenting and exploring these and educating people on it. I love the example that Carl gave there, Josh, about modern airlines Mm -hmm. and how many variables are involved in pricing for passengers and timing and scheduling and plane resources and how quantum computing really differs from classical computing in that it can take on and help maximize computing of all these variables. Yeah, absolutely. Just the ability to handle exponentially much larger levels of complexity and amounts of data in an efficient way. I mean, that's exciting. If you had this at your fingertips, would it change the game for your spreadsheets that you and your wife use to evaluate products that you're about to buy? I remember you mm. talking about your spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I could definitely break into my wife's Christmas gift list. You know, they make that a lot easier. <laughs> well, joking aside, the list of potential use cases for quantum computing does keep growing. Absolutely. So let's go back to Celia Mersbacher and hear about how researchers and business leaders are working together to unlock that potential. My father had a bumper sticker that said something like, do you know a good quantum mechanic? Celia has always been close to the field of quantum mechanics. Her father, Eugen, was a world-renowned physicist who even published a textbook on the subject in 1961. The idea of 
advanced science and physics and, and quantum mechanics was something that was familiar to me in a sense. The idea that quantum mechanics is real maybe is part of my DNA, so to speak. What Celia is getting at is that for decades, quantum mechanics remained purely theoretical. Scientists had suspicions around the behavior of subatomic particles, but they didn't have the technology to test their theories. And then as the capability to do experiments in the lab that were able to control for things that needed to be controlled allowed for testing of the theory. Celia didn't follow directly in her father's footsteps. She started out as a material scientist in the U.S. Navy, but working on such a small scale led her to start thinking more about her father's field. This was in the early 2000s. So nanoscale science and technology was an emerging field at that time. And as the scale of the scientific capabilities got smaller and smaller, we were really talking about quantum effects in materials. At the same time, quantum mechanics was emerging from a theoretical, sometimes niche field of study into one of the most exciting areas of physics. As the field of quantum mechanics developed, researchers began to understand its implications for computing. Quantum mechanics looks at the behavior of subatomic particles, which operate according to a unique set of rules. So, what if a computer could harness the unique qualities of these tiny particles? This led to the birth of another new field, quantum computing. When Celia and our other guests talk about quantum, that's what they're referring to. The potential was so great that in 2018, Congress passed a law establishing a consortium to advance the field of quantum science and technology. That consortium is called QEDC. They said, we want to have a consortium of stakeholders where these different parties, these different actors in the innovation process from the basic research all the way through to the folks who are commercializing it are aware of what each other are doing, are sharing ideas, and are presumably accelerating progress. Now, as the head of QEDC, Celia is always looking for ways to connect developers to the businesses that will one day benefit from their work. It's it's really hard for the people at the quantum computing makers to understand your business. You understand your business you know, much better than anyone else. And so you really need to have some ability in-house to evaluate the technology as it's coming along. Celia says it's important to be realistic about the roles quantum computers will play in your enterprise, because right now there's still some practical challenges to be overcome because of their sensitivity to the environment. They have to be kept at very cold temperatures. You have to figure out how to um, accomplish that. And even as the technology around quantum computers improves, it won't mean throwing your CPU out the window. Quantum computing is not about extending the performance trend of classical computing. It's about being additive to the capabilities of classical computing and enabling problems that classical computing, even at the high-performance computing level, can't address, potentially. Celia envisions quantum computers working alongside classical computers, a very powerful new tool in the enterprise's arsenal. People sometimes approach quantum computing with the idea that it's going to let me do something I'm doing now in my business, in my life, faster. 
And I don't think that's the best use of a quantum computer. It may be, in some cases, it will actually speed up current ways of calculating things. But I think the much more interesting um, applications are going to be in areas where currently we really can't apply computing at all. And she recommends that businesses start to map out a role for quantum as they look at their path forward. Get some quantum savvy capabilities in the company. There's bound to be more breakthroughs in the future. Josh, we've talked about so many exciting examples of the potentials and the possibilities and the current use cases for quantum computing. But we should also bring up the elephant in the room, which you kind of alluded to earlier with regard to your spreadsheets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's the fact that whoever gets real true quantum computing first will basically be able to break all of the rest of the world's encryption on the spot. It can solve equations dramatically faster, right, than classical computing? Right, which means stuff like breaking encryption gets a lot easier. So the encryption that protects your email that you use to save your financial files, all that stuff suddenly becomes a lot more vulnerable. And now we have to think of new ways to protect stuff. Exactly. And that's why we talked to Rebecca Krauthammer of QSecure, who's breaking new ground in data security because of what she calls the quantum threat. Today, technology is kind of this new age of exploration. And to be able to be in at the ground level and shape the foundations of what is to be really the next huge revolution in technology, uh, for me, that was incredibly, incredibly exciting. This is Rebecca Krauthammer, co-founder and chief product officer at QSecure. Rebecca says that while quantum computers aren't yet everyday technology, we need to start taking them seriously now. The, the areas that need to be thinking about this today or yesterday, really, It's the financial sector, it is critical infrastructure, it is healthcare, and it is government. And if you think about those those industries, they they have uh, a vested interest in keeping a lot of data safe. Rebecca didn't begin her career focusing on quantum computing. In undergrad, Rebecca was asking the big questions around another emerging technology, AI wrapped up in these big questions of uh, what does it mean to build a thinking thing? And so I got really invested in uh, how do we build ethical technology? Rebecca came to see AI as a multiplier of human capacity. And in 2019, when a computer achieved quantum supremacy for the first time, she started thinking about quantum computing in the same way. Quantum computing is kind of a multiplier on top of what is already a multiplier. Mic drop moment when we went from quantum being sort of this theoretical thing to, wow, a real life quantum computer solved a problem we could not have solved with even the most powerful supercomputer. But breakthroughs like this can be a double-edged sword. And I think what became really clear probably to us before people were really starting to talk about it was the flip side of the quantum of quantum technology. And like most super powerful technologies, Uh, it can be used for extreme good, and it can also be used as a weapon. In fact, one of the very first demonstrable use cases for quantum computing was breaking through traditional cryptography. Cybersecurity is always a game of cat and mouse. It's once you get a handle on something, then, uh, you know, hackers will come in and come up with a clever way to, uh, to break it. Most secure communications involve some kind of encryption that makes it very difficult for a classic computer to hack into that data. But in the quantum age, 
traditional cryptography is going to be way more vulnerable. You know, personally, as an end user of of things like uh, health apps, uh, things like, you know, um, uh, if you've ever done one of those genetic testing, right, that data is really, really important. But Rebecca says there's no need to panic because the technology to fend off quantum attacks already exists. So the good news is you don't need a quantum computer to fight a quantum computer. You just need better math. And the field has already sprung up to do that math. It's called post-quantum cryptography or quantum-resilient cryptography. And all that is is, is better math that tricks quantum computers into, uh, into not being able to solve that kind of problem. And so that is exactly what we, we orchestrate the adoption of these algorithms. QSecure deploys these algorithms on top of pre-existing structures. And that's really important because some of the most vulnerable infrastructure we have is located somewhere that makes it really hard to update. It is very hard to upgrade a satellite once it's gone up. You can't really shoot a technician up there and, uh, and have them kind of update the software. And that's what makes them kind of prime targets uh, for hacking. And of course, satellites, satellites handle the communications uh, for a lot of really, really sensitive government applications and beyond. So I think in multiple ways, satellite presents this opportunity. The prospect of quantum attacks on vital communications satellites is frightening, to say the least. But Rebecca and her team say they've already proven that it's possible to defend against them. To prove it, the team simulated a scenario in which secure communications needed to be transmitted from one satellite and through another without ever becoming vulnerable to hacking by a quantum computer. And this is to show in the event of a breach or an outage to one orbit, you can switch over seamlessly to another and ensure continuation of your secured communications in, in the event of a threat, not just the quantum threat, but you know an actual threat to, to satellite communications. In partnership with Accenture, QSecure ran a battery of tests from terminals down on Earth, securely shifting between satellites way up in geosynchronous and low Earth orbit. And so for the testing, we actually had to go out in the field. And I just, I remember the last night, and this was the day before we were wrapping up the project and we were running our final test. And so we drove all the way out into the Sierras and we're standing there surrounded by snow, literally in the middle of nowhere. And we've got the team on the phone and we're getting ready to run this final test. And we hit that last button and the data comes back. And we all just start cheering. And you know, we're, we're cheering, everyone on the phone is cheering, and you could really just feel that everyone, everyone knew they just accomplished a first. It was the first ever demonstration of quantum-safe encryption on satellite-to-Earth communications, a unique and important moment, which Rebecca thinks will lead to many more like it. Technology is, is really this, this new age of exploration. We get to forge new ground, especially when it comes to quantum computing. I think if you're a leader in an organization, right, you have the opportunity to accomplish a first. That moment she describes where everyone's cheering and the possibilities for businesses of just really being the first in various yep. quantum computing milestones is really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like we have so many new technologies these days. Quantum computing really just takes that and turns it up to 11. Yeah, yeah. Huge implications ahead. Huge. 
Okay, so to learn more about what we covered in today's episode, download the Accenture Foresight app. Big thanks to Accenture's Carl Ducats. And Acilia Mersbacher and Rebecca Krauthammer for talking to us. Built for Change is a podcast from Accenture. More episodes are coming soon. Follow, subscribe, and if you like what you hear, leave us a review. <laughs>